Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach, and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm about to hop on Morning Tea Live on Instagram and let me get that set up. Thank you guys for tuning in today. All right, let's do the damn thing, shall we? (laughs) These voices that come out of me. Okay. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tea Live. Happy Wednesday. I hope you guys are doing well and having a beautiful morning so far. The sun is finally out. Of course, the entire retreat, the sun was not out. It was so gray in San Diego. I had clients flying in from the East Coast, and I was like, I promise you, the weather is so much better than this but it was not, it was gray and gloomy, but that's okay. The sun is now finally out, go figure. So today we're going to be talking about staying in the present. Now this may seem like such a simple concept, but when we are healing our nervous systems, when we're healing trauma, staying in the present is literally the most difficult thing that we can do. So I'm going to guide you guys today on how we can come back to the present when trauma takes our nervous systems back to the past or as a woman in my mastermind calls it, future tripping, where we start future tripping and get lost in our heads. So as always, let's start with a breath just to ground into this present moment. So wherever you are tuning in from, if you have a seat to just get comfortable, sitting up nice and tall, rolling your shoulders back, just taking a deep breath in, noticing how the breath feels. Noticing if your breath feels shallow or deep, just deepening your breath with each inhale and exhale. Noticing any thoughts coming up, any sensations, any distractions. Being able to feel safe to be present, even with distractions, noticing dogs barking, noticing the birds, noticing cars, noticing anything in your home or your wherever you are right now that's distracting. And unless it's an emergency, which you'll know if it's an emergency, feeling safe to let it go and refocus and take this time for you. You are safe to focus on you and you will be better off for it and everyone will be too. So just noticing the urge to get distracted and just keep coming back home to your breath. And noticing any emotions, any resistance to being in stillness. Noticing what it feels like to be in stillness. And whenever you are ready, you can start to come back. So maybe taking some slow organic movement just to wake the body up. Maybe some side stretches. Just noticing what your body's needing. 
making sure to check in with it several times throughout the day. Our body is literally our home. And if we're not checking in, if we're not listening to it, then things just get stuck inside. So let me know in the comments where you guys are tuning in from. Thank you guys for joining me this morning. Let me know if you guys have any questions on this topic and let's dive in. So as we know, if you've been following me, my jam is helping you heal your nervous system. Why is this so important? Because unless we feel safe to be in the present moment, we will live our entire lives stuck in our heads, either living in the past or fixating on something that hasn't even happened in the future. Hi from North Carolina. Oh, hello. Thanks for joining. So in order to heal trauma, it's allowing our nervous system to get out of survival mode that it was in during childhood, because as children, we need to be in survival mode because we are not self-sufficient. We are dependent on other people. And that is external safety. And as adults, we're building internal safety. So we have to teach ourselves how to do this. So when our nervous system is stuck in the past, we have to be able to shift it into the present. Now, why do we need to do this? One, because if we are constantly relating through wounding, through our inner child, through our trauma, specifically relational trauma or big T trauma, we are going to suck the joy and the magic out of the present. We are not going to be able to be present and being present is literally the only thing we have in life. Like the present moment, this moment right here, right now is all we have. I have no idea what's gonna happen five minutes from now. I have no idea what's gonna happen five hours from now, five days, five weeks. I'm going with the number five. And there's nothing I can do about anything that happened five minutes ago, five years ago, five months ago, five days ago. So the more that we can feel safe to be in the present moment, the more we actually get to experience life in a way that feels satisfying, in a way that feels connected, in a way that feels expansive, in a way that allows us to actually take all of those present moments and build the future. And we don't exist in the present just to build the future, but if we actually allow ourselves to use the present as a portal into creating the future, we get to create a much more intentionally designed life rather than unconsciously sleeping through life and being a victim to what we're attracting, not even realizing that we're subconsciously attracting that. And this isn't to place blame on certain challenging experiences or traumatic experiences that we've had and saying like, oh, we attracted it. No, it's not about that. It's about understanding that when you become conscious to your life, when you become conscious in creating your life, you get to actually participate it, participate it, participate in it a lot more than you would if you were unconscious. Like if you were just unaware of how your wounding and your trauma is literally creating your life or how your inner child is literally running the show or how your attachment wounding is running the show. So this requires deep processing of childhood pain, which is the work I do. I help my clients process their stored pain in their body. And the thing is, is that if you go out there, you're going to find different ways of doing this, right? There's EMDR, there's, you know, different energy healing. There's beautiful modalities out there. 
The one thing I'll say about that is none of those modalities can take the place of relational healing because we were broken in relationship as children and we need to heal in relationship as adults because you can be in a sound bowl healing, you can be in an EMDR session, you can be in a, you know, whatever other healing you're doing. Like I like to go to acupuncture and the chiropractor and yoga and the gym and personal training. Like I don't get me wrong. I love my self-care. I love my somatic practices. I love doing my daily meditation, chanting, and journaling. Like all of those things are so supportive for my nervous system. And the reality is that we live in relationship with other people. We are attachment-based creatures. So if I'm living all day in a yoga room, or if I'm living all day, just hopping from chiropractor to acupuncturist to energy worker, but then I come home and I'm triggered by my partner or my children or, you know, a stranger on the street, none of that can take the place of healing relationally. Meaning you have a person, a safe nervous system that you were experiencing relational ruptures with, relational repairs with. I had a rupture with a client last night. I have ruptures with my own mentor. I had a rupture with a family member yesterday. Life is full of attachments and ruptures in those attachments. And unless we understand how we're relating to our attachments, we're not gonna be able to shift into relating from secure attachment into relating from the present. So let me give you an example. If someone asks you something like, oh, I'm just curious, why did you choose to do that? And your response is all defensive and like, what the fuck? Like, da, 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 right? And you're relating through that inner child that feels like they need to be in survival mode. You're not actually relating based off of what's actually happening in the present moment. You're relating based off of your wounding, your wiring. And when you start to see this, when you start to notice it, it really becomes mind-blowing of like, holy shit, I've been responding from my inner child. I've been responding from my attachment wounding this whole time. And I've seen this happen with myself, with my clients, with my friends, with my family, like the way in which we respond and react and get triggered to things, a trigger is always historical. So if someone asks you in a certain way and you're like, oh, you know, I just did this because da, da, da. But if you're like, all defensive and angry and like reactive, it's because it's a trigger. So yesterday I got triggered with a conversation with a family member. They were saying something that made me feel misunderstood, invalidated, the same wound that I've had my entire life of not feeling understood, feeling invalidated, feeling like no one hears me or sees me or gets me, feeling different than everyone. And it triggered, how did I know it was a trigger? I knew it was a trigger because it literally felt, I felt my chest tightening. I felt my heart pounding. I felt my blood boiling, like I was going to explode. And I took some deep breaths, but I did get reactive. And the thing is, is that as humans, we're going to get reactive. This isn't about communicating perfectly. Like we're allowed to be expressive. And this was something I had to really learn because when other people would get angry in front of me, it would feel so terrifying for little me where I was like, oh, this doesn't feel safe. This does not feel safe for someone to be angry at me. Anger towards me equals abandonment. It means like they're going to be so angry at me that they're not going to want 
me in their lives and I'm going to be abandoned. So it's taken relational healing with my mentor to be able to understand that she could get angry at me. A partner can get angry at me. A family member could get angry at me. And I'm still safe because I'm an adult. Even if that person does leave, which I've actually had friendships and people in my life who have left because they were angry at me. And so that fear for little me is so strong. But in having these people leave or, you know, break up with me <laughs> because they, you know, didn't understand me because they got triggered by me because they were angry at me. I got to show little me, oh, we're still alive. We're not only still alive, we're, we're thriving. We're okay. We're still living our life. Like I still got me. I still have other people who get me and support me. So if I'm relating through that old wound and I'm getting angry and not able to see that and not able to see that like, oh, the reason why I'm so reactive right now is because this triggers a deep wound and this feels so scary for little me. And that's going to change how I react to it, right? I can take some time to be with the pain that's coming up, to be with the wound. And then last night, my family member and I were able to have a really reparative conversation of just saying like, this is where I wasn't feeling seen. This is where I wasn't feeling seen. Like, I understand your perspective. I feel differently about this thing and this, and we feel differently. And like allowing space for both people to just be while also, sorry, I'm getting boxers, um, while also honoring your truth and your feelings, because everyone has their own truth and their own feelings. And my big wound was that I was always so good at understanding other people's perspectives, which is, you know, a helpful thing in relationships. But I did so in a way where I wasn't actually honoring how I felt. It was like holding both. Like, yes, I understand your perspective and I disagree with some things. And this is my truth. And my feelings are valid too. And so when I got triggered yesterday, if I had not done this work that I've done, I would have allowed that to make me feel unsafe rather than I feel angry, but I moved on with my day. Like literally I got angry. I felt the pain of this wound. I cried in my car and then, and I co-regulated with my mentor and then I moved on. I had a normal day. Something like that in the past would have made me feel so unsafe. Like, oh, I need to fix it. Oh, this person is unhappy with me. Oh, I need to explain myself. I would have gotten small. And instead I just stayed. I just stayed in my truth, stayed in my power. And it allowed the other person to meet me and understanding more of my perspective. And that was so reparative. And not everyone's going to get that reparative experience, right? Sometimes I feel misunderstood and people continue to not understand me. And those are not my people and that's okay. So the more that we try and get people to see us or explain to people based on our wounding, the more we're relating through the wounding. Whereas in the present moment, it's honoring, okay, I'm having feelings about this. I'm getting triggered. This is my trigger. This is my wound. I need to be with it rather than basing my safety and allowing other people's behavior to control my emotions. Because that's really what anxious attachment is. It's I'm allowing other people's behavior to control my emotions. I'm allowing this person's behavior of not understanding me and getting mad at me to control my level of safety rather than me coming home to me and saying, I am safe. 
I'm safe to be misunderstood. I'm safe to have people get angry at me. I'm safe to look at my own behavior and my own role in it and take radical, honest accountability of my own shit. We all have our own shit. And the more that we can look at that shit without making it mean something about us, the more we're actually going to be able to have compassion and be with that shame and shift it. But we cannot shame ourselves into change. We can't be hard on ourselves into change. We have to accept before change. We have to have compassion before change. So think about how you've been relating in the present through the past and how your triggers are skewing the way in which you are looking at a present situation. Another example of something I was working through with a client yesterday was there were so many emotions happening around something that didn't even happen. It was this hypothetical idea of like, oh my God, if this happens, then I'm going to feel this way. And it's like, but that thing hasn't even happened yet. And if it does, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. But literally, you have no idea how things are going to unfold. And I have done this so many times where I'm like, having so much fear that that fear makes my control protector come up. And it's like, my brain goes, you have to control this in order to feel safe rather than, oh, I'm having a lot of fear come up because I feel scared that this may happen. But in the present moment, nothing's actually happening. That's just my mind, like trying to future trip and prepare for the future. But half of the time when we do that, the future turns out so differently. And we're like, oh, we did all that worrying for nothing. We're worrying about something that hasn't even happened. And we're spending all of this time and energy, precious time and energy wasted, worrying about something that literally hasn't happened and may never happen. And so this work is all about feeling safe to come back to the present moment. Am I safe in this present moment? Yes. Using your senses to ground. Okay, I can see my apartment. I can taste my smoothie. I can feel, you know, my tumbler. I can taste my smoothie. <laughs> I can see myself in this reflection, right? Like grounding into the present. In this present moment, I am safe. And so... Yes, we have to process fear around things that we're anticipating we'll do. So if we're going on a trip and we're like, oh, I'm having fear that my attachment wounding is going to come up, I can be with that fear and I can allow myself to process some of it beforehand. So we can do what's in our power. But if we're, there's a difference between that and constantly being like, what if this happens or what if this happens or I feel worried about this thing and it's like it hasn't even happened. And so maybe, you know, if it's coming up to process in the present, it's because it may happen at some point, maybe we don't know when, and that's fine. It's one thing to just be with the fear in the present, but it's another thing to spend all of our present moments focused on things that we don't even know if they're going to happen or not. So until we process the pain of the past that's stored in our fascia, that's stored in our bodies and our tissue and stored all over, like think about where you have medical stuff. Do you get headaches? Do you have stiff shoulders? I guarantee you there's some emotion that's stored in those places. Because remember, emotion equals energy. It's just energy. So imagine in our bodies, it's like a clear channel of energy flowing, ooh, moving through us. And then in that clear channel, there's like rocks that like 
you know, block the, the flow of things. Those blocks are stored energy that need to be softened and broken up. And that's why when we breathe deeply, we might feel some emotion because if you're in survival mode, your breath is like, it's short. But if you're like, it allows some of those blocks to be broken up. So remember, emotion is energy. And when we are storing that energy from childhood, that energy is going to create the sense of not being safe in our body. So then we're going to relate to the present moment, with, which most of the time is safe through that pain that's stored, through that survival mode. And so if we don't process that, that pain is going to give us a filter as if you're wearing glasses. It's going to make us look through the world through survival rather than through safety and connection and love and home and expansion. And that's going to block you from actually creating the life that you want to live. So we have to process our trauma. This isn't through talking. We can't talk trauma out of us. This is through getting in our bodies, taking several deep breaths throughout our day, being with the sensations of energy, of emotion throughout our day as they come up, taking a breath when we get triggered before responding to someone, being able to respond from a grounded place, knowing that, yes, there will be times where we're human and we react to our people and we don't communicate the right way or the best way, right? The most effective way. We're humans. It's not about being perfect. It's about being conscious of these things so that we can choose to relate differently and to shift them. And so meeting yourself where you're at, maybe right now, all you can do is take five long, slow, deep breaths with your hands on your body several times throughout the day, slowing your nervous system down, noticing when you're getting in survival mode. Maybe that's a just a beautiful first step for you to start with. Maybe the next step is you're fighting with your partner and you're you're making all this meaning like you think this about me or you did this because and you take a moment and realize how familiar is this? How familiar is this belief that people are out to get me or that, you know, I'm not safe to share my feelings or I feel misunderstood. Being able to do this work and then seeing how I relate to you know, my closest people, it's been so friggin' eye-opening of like, wow, that's why I feel that way, or that's why I relate that way. And it allows me to have compassion for those parts of myself and love those younger parts of myself that are just so scared, that feels the need to control. And then looking at how my control has really affected my relationships. I shared with you guys recently that I started kind of going into the dating world again. And this one connection I experienced, my control was out of control. And one part of it was just like feeling fear around feeling a connection again. The other part of it was that this person didn't feel safe to my nervous system. And the old me would have just attached on because of my anxious attachment and being like, okay, like it's fine. Like I would have understood their perspective. I would have, you know, use that to justify why I should stay and try and make it work. And instead this time I'm like, Oh, this isn't working for me because I don't have the safety I need because having safety in your own body allows you to know what you need in a relationship. And in any human relationship, you need some level of safety or else your 
you're not going to feel safe with that person. And you staying with someone you don't feel safe with is your anxious attachment. It's not the other way around. It's not like, oh, my anxious attachment is making me leave because I don't feel safe. It's, oh, I'm secure enough in myself to know that I'm not getting what I need from this person. And so I'm going to walk away rather than forcing someone to give me something that are that they're not able to give me. And it's not their responsibility to give me. It's my responsibility to say, oh, this relationship is working for me or, oh, this relationship is not working for me. So it's, it's relating through that secure attachment and asking yourself, how would I relate to this through secure attachment rather than through anxious attachment or avoidant or disorganized or whatever you're struggling with? So when we process the pain in the past, we come back into the present. We ask ourselves, how would we relate to this based on the present and what's actually happening in the present? And where are we getting stuck in the future where we need to just come back to the present and trust that things will unfold exactly as they are meant to. And again, we can't have faith and lean into faith when we are in survival mode. So it's how can you show your body that it doesn't need to be in survival mode in the present moment? And a lot of that is processing the past pain because for as long as that past pain is in your body, your body's going to register that as a threat, register that as I'm not safe. When you release that, you then shift into the present and you react in proportion to what's actually happening. So I think that is all I have for you guys. Please give me any questions, any questions on this topic for those that are live with me. How is this landing? Do you have any anything you want me to clarify? Anything you want me to expand on? I'm just taking a smoothie break while I take any questions. Love learning about this topic. Oh, I'm so glad. I love teaching about this topic. All right, if there are no questions, then we will start wrapping up. But I will say the biggest takeaways are use your breath and your senses to come back to the present. Notice when little you is feeling scared. Um, okay, we got a question. Also good, what if it's not childhood trauma you're dealing with and it's more current trauma? Do all the same techniques apply? Yes. And there's a big and to this. So everything relates back to childhood. <laughs> That's the most simplistic way of explaining it. So our nervous systems were originally developed in childhood. So that nervous system is the blueprint for how you relate to any other trauma that happens in your life. So if you haven't processed childhood and rewiring that original blueprint of your nervous system to create a new nervous system, that old wiring is going to predict how you navigate current trauma. It always goes back to the original wiring and how you're rewiring. So yes, all the same techniques apply because if you're dealing with current trauma, so I'm going to give you an example. Let me just think about this. 
because I've had childhood trauma, which we've all had childhood trauma, but I've had big T trauma when I was little. And then I've had big T trauma when I was an adult. So the trauma, for example, the trauma of losing my mom and witnessing her pass in the hospital, the way in which I relate to that, the level of safety I feel to be with my pain around that, that will be determined by how much of my old wiring I have shifted. So when that was happening for me, I hadn't done this work yet, but I had been through enough losses and deaths to know that like, I would, I would survive. Right. But I didn't fully feel safe to actually process the pain and the grief around losing my mom until I did this work because my body didn't feel safe to. So I would, you know, numb out with TV, with alcohol, with men, with distractions. Um, when I first moved to San Diego, I almost moved back because I felt so unsafe and so scared to be here alone. So your original wiring is going to determine how you're navigating present day trauma. And it's still the same techniques of noticing, like, how safe do I feel to be with this pain of this trauma? How safe do I feel to navigate the different emotions? How safe do I feel to relate from my highest self from a securely attached place? So you're still applying all the same techniques of coming home to the present, coming home to your breath, noticing when little you is taking over, noticing when the current trauma is triggering past trauma, because usually that's what happens is when current trauma happens, it can trigger those feelings of not being safe from when you were a child. Whereas as an adult, when you're experiencing trauma, you're you're still, you're able to kind of explain it. It's like, you're able to be with it in a different way as an adult, because you're not dependent on other people in the same way you are as a child. So there's a different level of safety that you can feel in navigating that trauma, but trauma is still trauma, right? So like, you're going to, if it's traumatic, you're going to feel unsafe. You're going to feel pain. You're going to feel all those things. And the question becomes, how safe do I feel to be with the pain that this trauma is bringing up, especially if it's relational trauma, right? If it's big T trauma as an adult, then yeah, like you're going to need to process what's happening in your body. But remember that trauma is not actually what happens to us. It's how what happens to us gets stored in the body. So if you're having trauma happen and you're having support and you're having space to feel and move through those emotions, then those emotions aren't getting stored. It's kind of like with my mom passing, if I was able to really like process my grief in a way where it wasn't getting stored, then by the time I did this work, it, you know, maybe new layers of it would come out, but it wouldn't be this whole thing where it's like just trapped in my body. So it's, you know, just like I talk about with childhood trauma, it's not about what happens, but how what happens is empathically witnessed. So if you have someone, you know, if you have a child who gets bullied at school and then they come home and they tell their parent and their parent is like, get over it, stop being a pussy, stop being a crybaby, 
and the child then doesn't have space to feel that emotion and be attuned to that stores. Whereas if some other child gets bullied and you come home to your parent and they are holding space, they are in tune with your emotions, that trauma may not store in the same way because they felt held in those moments. So as an adult, when you're going through trauma, you still need support because we're attachment-based attachment creatures. You still need that safe nervous system to hold you and allow space for you to feel your pain and to be in tune with you because most of the time we're, we didn't have that as children. So when we go through trauma as an adult, we still need that reparative experience of someone being in tune with us. And just because again, we're attachment-based creatures and we need support. So it's, do you have support where you can allow these emotions to come move through your body and then reorient back to safety? Or is the emotion getting trapped because you're not feeling space nor safety to feel them? So long answer short is yes, you can use the same techniques applied and it's all connected. Childhood trauma, current trauma, it's because it, it's all coming from our nervous system and how our nervous system is wired and how that's going to shift how we relate to certain things that happen. Like based on how much I've shifted my nervous system, something that may have felt more traumatic in the past would happen in the present. And I'm shocked at how safe I feel to move through it, whether that's another death or um, that's, you know, sudden changes. Like I, you know, not that this was traumatic, but like change in general can feel traumatic. So like the change that happened right before my retreat, there was no level of, oh, I'm not safe. Whereas before something like that maybe would have made me feel unsafe. Um, and then of course it depends on like, you know, the actual trauma that's happening, right? Is it relational trauma? Is it like, you know, something happened where you got in an accident and, um, like for me as an adult, this is a good example for me as an adult, when I had my wisdom tooth surgery, it was like a really intense surgery because the tooth was impacted and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I won't bore you with the details, but after that, I realized that that surgery was traumatic. And I didn't realize that at the time, but I realized it in how it stored in my body that I wasn't feeling safe after that surgery. And so, yes, that was current adult trauma. And it's because it triggered a lot of my medical trauma as a baby. So we see how like the present is always going to be affected by the past. And it brings new layers of healing that, that we need to come up so that we can heal that from the past and relate to it from the present. Um, and also like having the consciousness of, oh, this surgery felt really traumatic. I'm feeling really unsafe. I'm feeling really anxious and being able to like process the, the fear and the pain that's coming up. So long story short, it's allowing space to process the emotions that the trauma prompts, which is usually fear and pain. So does that answer your question? <laughs> that was like a very long-winded answer. But let me know if that makes sense or if you need any clarification. And again, there's like more details in terms of what kind of trauma and all of that. But trauma is trauma. Thank you for taking the time to explain that. This is also fascinating to learn as I feel. Good, okay. I'm glad that makes sense. And then it helped. Good. Okay. Um, yeah, it is fascinating. Like 
trauma was literally my favorite thing to learn about in grad school because I'm like, it's all of us. Like we all have trauma and it will affect how we relate to everything. So feeling safe to just be, feeling safe to be your authentic self, feeling safe to stand in your power when current traumas are happening, feeling safe to move through fear and feel the fear and let it move through rather than drive your behavior. It's all... It's all fascinating. I love it so much. Our brains are so fucking brilliant and dumb at the same time. It's like <laughs> it's brilliant in the sense that it will keep us alive, but it's dumb in the sense that like sometimes it can't tell what's a real threat or a false threat. So our brains respond as if we're being chased by a bear when we're not being chased by a bear. And I'm like, come on, brain, you're smarter than this. But our brains are designed to keep us alive, not happy. So we have to be the ones to teach our brains and be the leader of our brains and our nervous systems of we are safe right now. And that's why coming back to the present is helping you come back to safety. I noticed that when I used to have a lot of nightmares, it would be my brain processing fear. But then when I started doing this work, my dreams would be a lot more boring and just like about normal day-to-day -day present stuff. And so it's almost like my dreams caught up to reality. And that's how I knew that I was living more in the present. So looking out for dreams, looking out for where your thoughts go throughout the day and come back to the present, come back to the present, come back to the present, grounding through the senses, through your breath, all that good stuff. All right, guys, if you would love to do a deeper dive into this full nervous system healing transformation, I have one spot left in my insight program. This is my highest level container where it's weekly one hour Zoom sessions and Monday through Friday Voxer support, which is a voice note and messaging app. You get access to my meditation series, personalized journal prompts, daily accountability for daily habits that will support your nervous system. I also have my newest course launching at the end of the month called The Secure Entrepreneur. This is a Hold on. Okay, I couldn't hear myself. The dogs are barking so loud. Um, it's a course for anxiously attached entrepreneurs who want to relate to their business through secure attachment. So right now the wait list is open. You get early bird pricing. You get access to my meditation series for free and all the good bonuses. So hop on the wait list at the link in my bio on Instagram. And I believe those are my two main offers right now. Um, yeah, there's so much, so much happening. I'm going to start enrolling for, um, the next round of come home to yourself, which is my anxiously attached women's group, as well as, uh, creating some VIP days for clients. So there's just so much in the works, uh, behind the scenes. And I'm so excited for all of it, but yeah, May is going to be focused on this course. Cause then June I go to Paris and I will be in travel mode. So I hope you guys are um, enjoying this episode. Feel free to subscribe. Feel free to chime in. Uh, my DMs are always open if you have any questions. And thank you guys so much for being here. Always take time to come home to yourself. And I love you all so much. Bye.